It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Michael P. Haymans. I'm here to talk to you all about law and society. Most of the time, lots of society. We're going to talk a little bit more about the law here this morning. We are going to talk about strict liability, criminal liability, without regard of um, scienter or mens rea are the two terms that you hear for it. And it's the notion of a guilty mind that someone... Uh, doesn't act with an intention or knowing that it uh, has criminal consequences, that it's a prohibited uh, act, and that there are uh, consequences that could include taking your liberty uh, as well as fines and, and other penalties. So, uh, but as we get started on that, let me tell you that uh, we're at WCCF. 1580 on your AM dial, uh, 100.9 on your FM dial in the local listening area, and on iHeart platform, WCCFAM.com, and of course on Facebook Live. Thank you, Dawn, for running the Facebook Live, and thanks, Zane, back there in the studio for running the radio show portion of it. <clears throat> so, in the context of the criminal strict liability where the courts have found that that's acceptable. I have to tell you that it stunned me when I uh, first learned that, uh, that there are pretty significant uh, crimes that one can be uh, charged with without having any uh, in specific intention or knowledge that you were had doing a criminal act. And the state of Florida has one that I'm challenging right now that has to do with uh, possession of captive wildlife and that if the critter escapes, then the person with the license that holds this captive wildlife under a licensing system is criminally liable for the escape of the animal, whether there was intentional action that allowed the escape or whether there was uh, negligence that allowed the escape. You can do everything that you in, that, that a reasonable and responsible person would be expected to do, and if the animal escapes, there's still criminal liability. I think that that's wrong. I think it's unconstitutional. Uh, but the courts have upheld, and this was what really stunned me, the courts have upheld uh, a notion that there, on some public health and safety issues that the, that the intention to hold, uh, to control the situation and make it easier for the state to prosecute and get, uh, uh, that there are, and where the consequence is a minor infraction as opposed to a major infraction uh, uh, and major penalties, they don't uphold felonies with no criminal intent, but they but misdemeanors, something less than uh, than, but it's certainly more than just a speeding ticket kind of thing. It's a misdemeanor, and and they commit a couple of them, and you've got heightened uh, uh, penalties and uh, moves up from a second degree misdemeanor to a first degree misdemeanor. So, I was stunned, though. Uh, practicing law a long time because I had in my mind, and that's why I chose this topic today, is that most of the general public thinks that you've got to have some criminal intention and criminal act for you to have criminal liability, for a judge to be able to find you guilty and put you in jail. It's not so. 
there's more to come on that. But in doing that, I wanted to also talk about the reasons that the game and, and fish folks have gotten these rules adopted and why the legislature, because we've got an invasion going on of, uh, of exotics, exotic invasives that are, are very damaging to our uh, native natural environment. We know about the pythons. We know about green iguanas. We know about tegu. Uh, and so there are other reptiles. And these aren't, these aren't things that are necessarily dangerous to humans, but they're dangerous to the, uh, to the, uh, to the landscape. Well, humans are dangerous to the landscape. Let me tell you that. Uh, and we don't control them quite so well, but, uh, but, but here we go. This is a song called My Florida. Wrote this uh, many years ago after uh, Livingston Shepherd, Doc Shepherd, gave me a book by Ernest Lyons called My Florida. And, uh, and it's a collection of essays from a, a man who wrote about Florida from Jacksonville. He was a, a newspaper columnist and reporter uh, in the 1940s in Jacksonville area uh, of the state of Florida. And after having, so Shep gave me the book, said, Mike, I'd like you to read this and then write me a song about it. And so this was a, um, an assignment, if you will. And, uh, and this is what came out of it. The title is uh, My Florida. Uh, and just an interesting little side note, titles aren't copyrightable. And so I'm, I'm able to use the title of that book in the title of the song, My Florida, because it's not copyrightable. Titles can't be copyrighted. flooded plain four in the afternoon thunders the summer rains pines and palmettas on a subtle hill in the winter in the evening hear the whippoorwill in florida my florida wild turkeys walking through slough grass Feeding on myrtle berries, grasshoppers, and pine mast. Dank and mossy live oak hammocks. Swampy cypress tangled strands, heads full of air plants. In Florida, my Florida. There are no fully occupied subdivisions, no fast food stores. There is no bank on every corner, and traffic isn't backed up to New York. In Florida, my Florida. fire listen to the evening frogs croak croak boogators low roar horned owls hoot lumpkins crying people we spend tribal lore in florida my florida off in the distance a panther screams cicadas riot then quiet Still the creak and the rustle of the breezer trees and pale in the morning, whistling off the roost, wood storks and ibis and egrets and waves and waves and waves and groups. 
in Florida, my Florida. There are no Malamala, Malaluka, God forbid, Australian pines, Brazilian peppers, they don't drive the birds crazy. See walking catfish out of your mind. You see the catfish walk out of your mind. In Florida, my Florida. Then here comes that old urbanization. to here uh, in our local listening area from Arcadia to Boca Grande, from Venice to Estero, all the points in between, Fort Myers, North Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Babcock Ranch Community, Ponte Gorda, Port Charlotte. If you're here on the local radio, uh, listening on the radio, thanks for being here. If you're listening out there the, uh, on, on the rest of the world, we're listening to in Mexico, in Scotland, in Taiwan, in Hawaii, in Montana. We've got a, my son Dylan and his wife Jody are in Montana, in Boulder, Montana, along with their kids. Hey, Bertie, it's Pappy. I love you. I love that brother of yours, Hanker. He's a bazooka, that boy. We're also listening to in, in Livingston, Montana. Uh, Parks Reese is a sponsor of this show. He's uh, there in Livingston. And uh, he's an artist. He, I'm, we met at East Carolina University way back 1972. Uh, we were on the fourth floor of ACOC dorm at East Carolina University and ended up uh, uh, becoming friends. We changed roommates from, uh, from the uh, folks that we were living uh, with and moved in together uh, in November of 1972, and we've been running uh, wild ever since. Uh, Parks' is, uh, is artwork, you need to go see it and buy some of it, P-A-R-K-S-R-E-E-C-E. -E. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him just on the web. You can find him in Livingston. Go there and, uh, and uh, meet him, see some of the, uh, the great stuff he has. He's been very active on Facebook here lately and with his uh, uh, other social media uh, the Montana Living Magazine had a quote about him. says, think Van Gogh meets the far side, and you might begin to understand artist Parks Reese. Tim Cahill, who's a, an author and contributing editor, The Outside, Rolling Stone, Esquire Magazines, uh, he's written uh, quite a few books, uh, and is a, an interesting character in and of himself. He says, training and talent shackled to an altogether peculiar perception of our natural world, a bizarre amalgam of Charlie Russell and Salvador Dali. Yeah. So take a look at his stuff. He uh, does environmental, spiritual, political, whimsical, poignant work. And uh, everybody ought to own some Parks Reese art. The, uh, we're, we're listening to Scott McMillian's out there. He's the editor of uh, the Montana Quarterly, uh, and he tells the stories uh, in his magazine through uh, great writers uh, about Montana warts and all. As a matter of fact, that's the title of a book that you can find out there. Uh, we're listening to in Texas and Colorado, up across the, uh, the north uh, from uh, Lots of our friends from the Punta Gorda Guitar Army, which meets on Thursday nights here in Punta Gorda at the gazebo at Gilchrist Park uh, on the banks of the Peace River. And, uh, 
and the folks who are here during the winter times that head back north to their homes for the uh, for the summer, they end up tuning in some. Uh, we end up having uh, musical guests on here uh, regularly and uh, and more to come. As a matter of fact, I just got off uh, uh, email chain with uh, Scott Jacobs, Scotty Jacobs, who's going to be in town. And so he's we've got him lined up to be here on the show May 27th. And he's got some new songs that he's going to do for us. A couple of weeks ago, we had the Don Bonzi, uh, Don Bonzi and Dave Dively from the Don Bonzi Project uh, did a few songs for us and, and we're here. And uh, we'll continue to do that. So, so Keep in tune with the musical part here on the radio show, uh, but that's why we get a good group of people who listen uh, during, particularly during the summer when they're up home and not here in Punta Gorda. Uh, we're listening to in North Carolina from uh, from Raleigh to High Point, Dr. Sam Kirby and his family, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, and uh, and the close by environs, uh, Black Mountain. Uh, we have members of the Punta Gorda Guitar Army that have relocated up to there, uh, Maria and Gil, Dave and Judy. Uh, we have Craig Economopoli, who's uh, my judo sensei, who's moved there. He stays in, uh, in touch and, and keeps up with us. And Carson and Sandusky Paris. Carson is uh, Carson Dellinger Paris, and she and her husband Sandusky and their two kids uh, they pay attention. That's another part of the North Carolina connection from East Carolina with the Parks Reese uh, connection, and that and Dr. Sam Kirby also, and, and Loy Dellinger. Loy uh, was a uh, died in a crash six or seven years ago, and he's uh, and he left a uh, legacy of love, but he also left Carolina Cajun, uh, and Carson has that, and so. Carolina Cajun, it's not a hot sauce, but it's a blend of love from the Piedmont, and it's good on most everything. It's so good on chicken that there's a guarantee. What's that guarantee, Zane? To get a better piece of chicken, you got to be a rooster. Get a better piece of chicken, you got to be a rooster. So ride that rooster on down to to our local listening area here in uh, Punta Gorda, Florida. Uh, Punta Gorda, Florida. You know, uh, it's... When we talk about uh, exotic invasives, one of the ones that we have down here in Florida is uh, love bug. If you notice, they're hell-bent. We roar down the road looking through bug-slaughtered windshields. Praise the glass. It takes a lot of guts to show their insides, but ain't love a blast. Hung up and flying. Woo! Living. Yeah, and dying. Love true to the very last splat. But doesn't each splatter matter more than driving fast? <laughs> no, not even close. Praise the glass. I drive a pickup truck. It's full-sized and American-made. It's a tough pickup truck. It's just not too fancy. Doesn't have four-wheel drive. No lights on the top or chrome on the side. Paint job, it don't shine. Driving through the brush is scratchy. Got no factory air in the add-on. It rarely works. It's got a radio, but the speakers in the door stay cracked and broke. It's got tires that hum and moan Roll down the road and through the piney woods Slant six that makes them go It's not hard to work on It's got a big bench seat Door to door Automatic, there's no stick on the floor So though I sing to myself And sweat when it's hot Slide over, babe, I think you like it a lot. I said, I drive a pickup truck. It's full-sized and American-made. It's a tough pickup truck. It's just not too fancy, Lord. It's just not 
No, it's just not too fancy. Yeah, pickup truck. I don't have that one anymore. That one was, uh, that was a great truck. It was a Dodge. Anybody who knows about the Slant 6, though, probably figured that part out. The, uh, so it was a Dodge pickup truck, and it, over the years, got banged and dented, and, uh, and just almost every part of it had some kind of dent or ding on it. And uh, so many dents and dings that uh, I, I actually, at a, one of the block parties, uh, put it up for people to kick. Uh, for, uh, they had to pay money, and if you paid... I think it was $5 you got to kick the truck. And, uh, and Scotty Davis came up to me. I would, had walked away, and he said, Mike, you're going to have to raise the price. There's a guy over here about to kick it in half. And so, but this truck would roll down the road, uh, and because of all the dimples in it, it was sort of like a golf ball, and it gave it dynamic stability <laughs> as it rolled down the road. Hey, rolled, you know, when we're talking about uh, Florida and about uh, over dealing with exotic invasives and such. There's places to learn about all of that, including Charlotte Harbor Environmental Center, Check we call it. There's uh, Check has campus on Alligator Creek and also a campus uh, at Cedar Point over in on Lemon Bay. And uh, and the the mission. Uh, its vision is to become an essential element of the community for transforming the understanding of adults and students of all ages and backgrounds, helping each one to learn to interact in environmentally responsible ways and improving their thinking through positive connections with nature. We manage conservation lands and, uh, and we provide programming, educational programming for, for kids. All the fourth graders go through a program uh, in our school district, go through a program at Check. Uh, and we also have a uh, seventh grade program and, uh, and kindergarten programs. So we've got a camp that's coming up for uh, folks that want to get their kids. Uh, go to the Czech uh, uh, Facebook page or website, and you can learn more about it. Uh, the, uh, the Charlotte Harbor Environmental Center is looking for volunteers to be part of the Czech trail and site maintenance team. Czech is a nonprofit environmental center dedicated to conservation, education, and recreation. If you enjoy working outdoors and have skills in landscaping, carpentry, painting, or wish to donate your time, please join us. Typical maintenance activities include trail maintenance, branch trimming, mowing, weed trimming, repairing wooden boards and bridges, and more. Additional volunteer opportunities include trail guides, visitor center attendants, program assistants, nature cruise guides, office volunteers, Butterfly Gardeners, and more. So you can find out more at, uh, at checkflorida.org, uh, and you can uh, call 941-575-5435. Write that down, 575-5435. Lots to do around here concerning environmental education and conservation land maintenance. You know, we I couldn't do the show without folks like parks, like uh, Boca Grande Marina, Boca Grande Marina and beautiful Boca Grande on Gasparilla Island. It's a barrier island between the Gulf of Mexico and the uh, and Charlotte Harbor estuary system. Now, let me tell you that, uh, that that's got an invasive iguana uh, problem. Those are um, Mexican uh, spiny tails rather than the green iguanas. And, um, and you can see them there, and they're, uh, and they're a nuisance and a menace, and they have had trapping programs, and, and there's people that ride around in their golf carts and, uh, and uh, harvest the, uh, the, those iguanas for various purposes just to get rid of them, and I think some people uh, have tried to eat them. The, uh, the spoilage on those, they start going bad almost as quickly as they are killed. They're, they're a little bit difficult. Green iguanas, I understand, are not, don't have that same uh, issue. 
None of these are served at the Boca Green Marina. I'm just giving you, a, I'm just giving you a, an upgrade on what you might see in Boca Green. But at Boca Green Marina, to get there by uh, boat, you go through that south entrance to the Boca Bayou and then turn south into the Yacht Basin. It's a refurbished marina and redredged down to historic depths. Uh, the, uh, so vessels of all sizes can get in there. The, uh, the dockmaster's office commands the basin in, in order to help you tie up safely. Uh, field docks open from 8 in the morning to 5 in the evening, seven days a week, all year round. If the fuel docks open, so is the ship store. Ship store has bait, tackle, ice, you know, drinks, all the sundries that need also hats, shirts, jackets, sunglasses, that kind of thing. Uh, from 11.30 on, Miller's Dockside uh, has full bar, cold beer, great, great menu, delicious food, friendly service in a beautiful setting overlooking the marina and Gasparilla Sound. Uh, you can rent a golf cart while you're there and tool around the rest of the island. Make sure you get there uh, uh, in the evenings for uh, for meal eagles grill chef antonio is uh, everything on his menu is special and he has specials every day so uh whether you get there by seaplane like cap mark futch used to do or you get there by boat or car golf cart bicycle run walk crawl to both grand marina that you'll be happy to be there and they'll be happy to see you uh It's a hot dog day. It's a hot dog day is going pretty quickly into its summer hours. Uh, there'll be events there. Uh, uh, they are open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Gilchrist Park uh, in Punta Gorda. And it's Sabret or Hebrew Nationals. Uh, so fine uh, uh, all beef uh, hot dogs and uh, sausages, uh, sweet Italian, uh, on a Martin potato roll with every kind of, uh, condiment that you want. Weather's so nice. Want to go to the park, grilled onions and peppers in the air, umbrella and a cart, hot dog in the park. Enjoy the repast. It's a hot dog day. So as I say, they're also doing events. I know that they're uh, providing uh, lunches for some of the camps that are uh, that are uh, planned for the summer for the for kids at various uh, uh, locations, various institutions. Uh, if you need uh, an event covered, uh, contact. It's a hot dog day. You can find them on Facebook. That's the easiest way to find out where they are that day, whether they're open that day, because it is weather dependent. Uh, and uh, and seasonally dependent, uh, but give them a give them a, a contact and uh, and enjoy a hot dog. Gene Gorman Auto Sales, you've seen the signs, you've seen the billboards. I'd give them away, but my wife won't let me. I'd fix them for free, but my wife won't let me. That's because it's a family-owned and operated business. Twenty-five straight years as Charlotte County's number one volume independent used car dealer. Three locations to serve everyone. It's Gene Gorman Family Motors in Charlotte Harbor, Gene Gorman Premier Auto Sales downtown across from the Punta Gorda Police Department, and Gene's Dirt Cheap Cars south of Aquiesta there on 41. Gene has the son Owen as the general manager and vice president of the corporation. All of the cars go through a certification process and come with a nationwide warranty. Uh, they're Giving away free oil changes for a year and a copy of, of Gene, his dad's memoir. You had to be there to anyone that buys a car or sells a car at Gene Gorman Auto Sales. Michael P. Heyman's attorney at Law PA. We do a general practice. Concentrate, concentrate on uh, environmental and land use law. And, uh, and we're located at 215 West Olympia on the corner of Sullivan and West Olympia. Uh, give us a call, 941-575-0007. Uh, uh, Lori is my secretary. We've been together for 20 years. Uh, if we can't help you, we'll try to get you to someone who can. Also, Gordon Mac Martin. Gordon Mac Martin from the coast to the country. Uh, 
for all of your real estate needs is um, Gulfland Real Estate. Take a look at him. Give him a call. He can sell your property. He can uh, help you find property of all kinds. It's lifestyle uh, real estate. So ranches, waterfront property. Also has commercial and industrial property. Uh, he's uh, he all over Southwest Florida, from DeSoto County, Sarasota, Manatee, Charlotte, and Lee and Collier. Uh, give him a call. Find him on Facebook. Find him on uh, on uh, on the World Wide Web. Gordon Mac Martin. He's also a fine musician and singer songwriter. Uh, so, criminal liability for these critters. Let me tell you that there's some Florida Supreme Court cases, there's uh, uh, U.S. Supreme Court cases, uh, and but let me tell you that the that Chapter 379 of Florida Statutes concerns fish and wildlife conservation. And Section 379.4015, non-native and captive wildlife penalties, is where that uh, gets imposed. There's uh, And let me read to you about level. There's a couple of levels. Level one tell, says what kind of uh, uh, violation that uh, that is. Level two, unless otherwise provided by law, the following classifications and penalties uh, apply. A person commits a level two violation if he or she violates any of the following provisions. And it comes down and it says... Finally, at number three, says rules or orders of the commission that require housing of wildlife in a safe manner when a violation results in an escape of wildlife other than class one wildlife. So the different wildlife have classifications and uh, some uh, it depends upon the licensing that they have. But uh, but if you if a person commits a level two violation, if they unless otherwise stated, uh, require a person to pay a fee to obtain a permit, possess captive wildlife, or that require the maintenance of records relating to captive wildlife. So if you have captive wildlife that's in a certain category, you have to have a license for it. And if you don't, then that's a crime. Uh, and, uh, and so if you know that you have a, a, a wildlife that you've taken into your possession and you have, and you, and whether you know that it has to have a, uh, you have to be licensed or not. If you possess that wildlife and you don't have a license, then there's liability, and that's strict liability with, without regard to what your mental state was, whether you knew that it was. Uh, uh, but you have the action of actually capturing and holding and possessing this. So there's an act that uh, that you have to make. Uh, but that's a misdemeanor of the second degree. And if you get uh, and you can minimum mandatory fine, uh, and if you have two of those uh, violations within uh, a uh, five-year period, uh, within a three-year period, then it moves it from a second-degree misdemeanor to a first-degree misdemeanor. Now, a misdemeanor that a misdemeanor means you're in county court in Florida rather than in circuit court, and it means that the judge can put you in jail up to up to a year. No more than a year. So you can go to jail for a misdemeanor. Now, you may not because of sentencing uh, issues and discretions that judges have, but the, the, the penalty that is available is a fine and, uh, and imprisonment in the county jail up to a year. Uh, and so one of these, as I say, level two says if you uh, if you person commits a level two violation if he or she violates the rules or orders of the commission that require housing of wildlife in a safe manner when a violation results in an escape of wildlife other than a class one wildlife. So the rules say 
and the rules that concern this are at uh, chapter 68A and, and section 68A-6.009, general regulations governing possession of captive wildlife. No person shall maintain captive wildlife in any unsafe or unsanitary condition or in a manner which results in threats to the public safety or the maltreatment or neglect of such wildlife. So, you know, if, if, if you've done something, oh, and they, they go on and they say how you're supposed to have cages, what they're supposed to, standard caging requirements. Uh, uh, and so for enclosures housing wildlife that exhibits a behavior of digging or burrowing, enclosures shall have a footer or bottom apron constructed of concrete chain link or equivalent strength material as specified in the rule for housing of such wildlife. The footer must be a depth of three feet and in the instance of a bottom apron, the bottom apron must be securely attached to the bottom of the enclosure fencing or wall and extend inward into the enclosure a minimum of three feet. The bottom apron must be buried to prevent injury to the captive wildlife in the enclosure. So that all sounds reasonable uh, uh, to have standards on uh, on how you were to uh, to uh, house wildlife and then it's got an, a sort of a catch-all that says any condition this is at 68a 6.018 a injuries bites and escapes any condition which results in wildlife escaping from its enclosure or cage which results uh, shall be considered a violation of uh, the general one that said uh, no person shall maintain captive wildlife in any unsafe or unsanitary condition in a manner which results in threats to the public safety or the maltreatment or neglect of such wildlife. And it says any condition which results in wildlife escaping from its enclosure shall be considered a violation of that which I just read you. So. person with a license has an animal, hires someone, an employee of theirs, to do general construction and maintenance, and has instructed on what the requirements for the caging are according to the, to the rule, and has told the, the employee to follow the rules and to build the cage accordingly. The cage was built purportedly in conformance with the rules. It was inspected. It appeared to, uh, that it was uh, properly constructed. Agents from Fish and Wildlife, the, the body that, that regulates it and the officers that would, uh, that would cite you if there's uh, problems, came and inspected the cage, reviewed it, found no problem. The person who has the license leaves town, and while they're out of town, because a defect in the cage that he had instructed to be properly uh, uh, constructed and believed to have been properly constructed and, and had it inspected by the state of Florida wildlife officials who believed that it was properly constructed, well, the animal got out while, while this man while this owner, this license holder, was out of town, the animal got out of the cage. So, and went to the neighbor's uh, uh, area, and the neighbor's dogs uh, uh, alerted to the animal. And then there were, and as a result of the encounter, the dog got a minor cut, and the owner of the dog killed the captive wildlife that had escaped. And as a result of that, of that escape, just the escape, the license holder was charged with a crime. Level two, misdemeanor, second degree. And the question really is, well, wait a second. What act did the license holder do that should subject the license holder to criminal liability? Not civil liability, but there's, and the state has made it very clear that 
that doesn't matter if there was negligence or not. It's a strict liability. And so they brought the charge and the state attorney has brought a charge. Well, when you go, it just doesn't seem right because there hadn't been any act or omission that, I mean, when one hires someone to do it and inspects behind it and believes that it's done correctly and the state inspects it and believes that it's done correctly. And then as a result of a, of a, an animal that's, uh, is able to dig out in nonetheless, that, that animals escape. Now, uh, assume that it wasn't the cage that had the problem, but that it was the employee that opened the cage door in order to feed the animal and the animal got out, well, the state would still take the same position that the license holder would be criminally liable for the escape, even if the license holder was nowhere near around and didn't do anything at all uh, that could be considered negligent or any omission or act whatsoever. It's the mere fact that had a captive wildlife that escaped. Well, you know, should society be doing that to people? Should we criminalize what? It's not even behavior. It's the behavior of the animal. The animal escaped. It was the animal was the only one that did an act. And so should we be holding people criminally liable? Uh, I think that that's a violation of the uh, due process uh, clause uh, of, the, uh, of the federal U.S. Constitution. Uh, uh, and uh, the Florida Constitution, Florida Constitution at Article 1, Section 9 provides that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution also provides that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law. And Section 1 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution also provides, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law. And to make a something a crime that doesn't require any evil intent or wrongful act is a substantive due process problem. It violates constitutional norms concerning what due process is. And there's been plenty of cases that say that, but what the cases also say and they generally are talking about the guilty mind. For example, if you shoot a, uh, uh, a migratory species and you shoot it outside of season or it's not a, uh, an animal that is uh, uh, allowed to be uh, hunted, but it's a, some kind of protected, the, whether you knew that animal was uh, was a protected animal or not the the act of shooting it the, the so there's an act of shooting the animal that 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 results in criminal liability and and it's because of the act because before you pull the trigger on something you should know what it is you shouldn't be killing animals unless you have all have properly identified them. And so by, sh by the act of shooting, even if you didn't know that it was a uh, protected species, there's they said Congress and the states have the ability to say what the elements of a crime are. And under public regulation, welfare kinds of, of, of items, that, that because it's a, an important consideration and society wants to wants to protect those animals and protect society from the loss of those animals that that that's a grand enough uh, purpose that there should be not necessarily a strict uh, uh, evil intent it's just the act itself so so the mens rea or scienter element of the crime is allowed to be eliminated. And it's only in limited circumstances because the, uh, the notion is, is that the, the penalty for such a violation is minor. It's not like you're going to go to prison for 10 years. It's some 
my, less where that line is, what becomes too much of a penalty or not is as a weighing and balancing on on each of the matters. So so that the if if it's a type of of activity that society wants properly regulated as the Congress or the state legislatures have identified, then and the the penalty is not great, and the opprobrium the uh, the, uh, the it doesn't sully the reputation of the person too much, then uh, then you can have uh, items and it's not violative of due process in accordance with the Florida and the, uh, the United States Supreme Court. It doesn't violate our notions of, uh, of due process to have to not require that evil intent. Didn't mean to kill that uh, that protected species but I did because I didn't know what it was, and that's enough that I should be criminally liable. That's what the courts have said, and that's what the legislatures have said. In this particular case with the captive uh, that I'm concerned about, the captive wildlife that escaped, there was no action by the, by the license holder. It was, it was the action of the animal itself that got out or the action of someone else that didn't do the cage right, even though they had been instructed to do it right and instructed <coughs> and believed upon inspection to have done it right. An inspection, not just by the license holder, but by the regulatory agency itself. And so that's a different, different circumstance than, uh, than no Center. It not only has no center, it also has no action to uh, that's uh, properly criminalized. Well, how do the courts get to those kinds of things about? And so there's the state of Florida in a case called uh, State versus Atkins. It was in 2012. It was a fairly recent, you know, uh, and. Uh, the Supreme Court agreed that uh, that the. Uh, on this one, there, there was a controlled substance. This was, and and the uh, the defendant in that one was it said, yes, it was. Uh, I sold this, but I didn't know it was an illegal drug, and uh, and so the criminal liability, the criminal liability. Uh, they said there, there are con constitutional limitations on the legislature's ability to create crimes that dispense with mens rea and, effect criminalize, and in effect criminalize actions that could be characterized as innocent conduct where such crimes carry substantial penalties. They said that in this one that, the, uh, that there was a burden shifting and that there was an affirmative defense that could be raised. And so because there was an affirmative defense that could be raised that I didn't know about it, that that, that still, that saved it from a due process uh, uh, problem. But uh, but this is where they talk about all the, uh, the, if it should provide light penalties, there's not substantial social stigma. Uh, it's, uh, and, and so, it had big, long discussion. This is a good case to read if you want to have a, an understanding of, of all of this. Uh, but so the Florida Supreme Court in State versus Adkins, and that was uh, 96 Southern 3rd, 412. The United States Supreme Court has a, a line of cases that uh, from 1959, Smith versus California, got uh, that relies upon... Uh, United States versus Freed, uh, Lambert versus California. Lambert, that was an interesting one. That's the uh, the state of California had said that uh, it was a crime, not the state, but the city of Los Angeles said that a bookstore owner would be uh, criminally violation for having pornography in their store, and so the uh, and. This store owner was arrested because somebody went in and found a uh, uh, something that they, 
was considered to have obscene material that uh, had no uh, First Amendment right of uh, protection to it, that it was that uh, obscenity is not entitled to uh, freedom of speech protections, and the very uh, possessing of the book was uh, the criminal act. And the guy said, I didn't know that the book was here, or uh, I knew that I had a book, but I didn't know what all was in it. And uh, and so what the court finally said was, was no, that went too far. That there, there needed to have a guilty mind uh, rather than strict liability, because otherwise there would be a... Uh, an unacceptable imposition on otherwise legal books that bookstore owners wouldn't have, uh, would it be too much of a burden for them to know the content of every bit of every book that they had. And so that that was uh, going to chill free speech if you had that kind of requirement on to know every bit of information of every book in there. So. Bottom line, we're about to wrap up here, is that, uh, is that there are matters that if the, if the penalty's light enough and the area of uh, social control is important uh, in a general uh, regulatory welfare uh, uh, sense, uh, then there can be, then the notion that you have to have a guilty mind is not necessarily uh, upheld and there's no due process violation. The further argument is, if you didn't even do anything, it's just the fact that some animal escaped and you're not, you didn't do anything wrong about it. You did everything you possibly could to make sure that that didn't happen, everything responsible that you should, then should you be criminally liable? And so that's what we're up against. And, and, and the reason that they're doing it is because there's this invasion of all kinds of critters that, that society doesn't want loose on the countryside. And we understand that. But sometimes in our zeal to protect ourselves, we go too far. And that's what this one has done. Hey, thanks for helping me build this zoo. Uh, we're about to get out of here. Uh, and uh, Zane, thank you for being there. Uh, Dawn, thanks for being here. And let's get out of here on the drums, huh? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.